Good afternoon and welcome to the How to Train Your Wagon podcast, a podcast that takes three generations of travelers around the world to different destinations. Today, our guest is Anna Juhas of Anna Sites from Budapest, the capital of Hungary. She'll be sharing her perspective on what a one-week vacation in Budapest would be like. I'm joined by my wife, Kimberly. Hi, this is Kim. My father, Andy, and my daughter, Kaylee. Today's destination is the beautiful city of Budapest. From its iconic parliament building overlooking the Danube River, lavish baths that are seemingly a swimming pool set in a palace or a castle set on a hill, Budapest is a visual treat made for Instagram. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you to check out our Instagram, How to Train Your Wagon 21, or Facebook pages, facebook.com slash How to Train Your Wagon 21, where we've provided some imagery of popular sites in Budapest. A 30 second overview really brings Brianna's descriptions to life as you listen along. First, I'll ask Anna, our guest, to introduce herself and say a little bit about her company, AnnaSites.com. Again, her website, www.AnnaAnnaSites.com. Thank you, Anna, and welcome. Hello, everyone. I'm Anna. I'm based in Budapest, having this interview located in the middle of Budapest in our beautiful city. I have a degree in geography. I studied that science uh, about the cultural and natural values of the world and I started to travel like crazy all around the world. I started off uh, my small company in 2013. I'm designing a private course, customized course uh, for my guests, but the point in our services is that uh, you approach uh, us and you tell us what would you like to do, who you are, if you are a multi-generational family, if you are just a family with the babies or, or maybe just a bunch of friends and their interests. Uh, special requests, uh, mostly families in the Central Europe because it's very difficult uh, when a family comes from US, uh, from Canada, from Australia, so intercontinentally, then they usually spend a bit more time and they uh, organize travel um, around Central Europe. And I, I love this uh, personal contact with my clients. And maybe we'd start at this at a high level, right? So I think the average North American traveler, they've probably seen imagery of the parliament in Budapest on the river. They understand it's a beautiful city, but, but maybe speak what one would look to see in Budapest itself. So it's one of the biggest attraction uh, of Budapest, the visual effect. Um, it's uh, super romantic because of the Danube River. The Danube River is uh, crossing through the downtown, the historical downtown, dividing the city into two parts, into two faces. One is the Buddha side and the other is the Pest side. And, um, and both are having uh, amazing spectacular spots uh, by the river, like the Buddha Castle District or the Parliament or the Hero Square. Uh, so these are those highlights that are must-see when you come to Budapest for the first time. And this is what you will remember forever. And then we can go into a little bit of the beaten path or like more detailed discovering of, of the city and the Hungarian culture. It's an amazing visual experience to visit Budapest. Sounds great. Now we have a question. So if we were going to go to Budapest, where would you 
recommend a neighborhood to stay or areas to stay? Oh yes, Budapest is in general is a very safe city. We are very proud of it. Uh, we we didn't expect it in the 1990s when we just got out from the Soviet era and the transition started. Since we became the member of the European Union, our governments they really put a very big focus on keeping this city safe. But there is always a but. Uh, still, there are uh, places in the city. Uh, that are maybe uh, not that quiet. Budapest is a typical Eastern European capital and city. Uh, it means uh, that we do have those famous hipster party districts in the downtown. It's a, we all do have these uh, actually very funky, very interesting districts. When you 2022 are maximum 25, you will enjoy those places. <laughs> the, 25 plus is maybe not happy about it when you book your super beautiful hotel in that neighborhood and you will not sleep anytime. And that is the famous District uh, 7. So it's the District 7 that is probably a no-go. And there is another district that is absolutely uh, pro <laughs> that uh, I would recommend. And that is the District 5. Uh, that is the absolute uh, downtown pedestrian area by the river on the Pest side. It is the surrounding of the chain bridge. It is the surrounding of the parliament building. And it is the surrounding of the grand market or central market, great market. Uh, so that area, the District 5, is, is a very uh, convenient uh, area for the accommodation because uh, you are on a walking distance to any great attraction, let's say maximum 10 minutes walking to reach the parliament or the grand market or any restaurants or ships uh, on the river for a night cruise. Uh, so it's uh, District 5 is uh, the best place to stay. And there is one more district uh, that, um, that is very popular and beloved by the guests uh, who, who would really like to rest, to stay in a very quiet neighborhood, but still in a very beautiful neighborhood. And that is the Buddha Castle area. It's a super elegant, very moody. Yeah, it's, a, it's an 800 years old castle district, uh, but uh, it closes at six o'clock. So from six o'clock, there are no shops. Maybe there are two, three restaurants, the first cafe in the morning is opening at 10, 10 in the morning, so no early breakfast places. So that uh, area is a little bit isolated, but usually the elderly guests or couples who stay on the honeymoon want to get their uh, fancy, beautiful hotel, and they like to stay in that fairy tale. And uh, exactly, they do have amazing, elegant hotels. It's in that style that you even don't want to leave your hotel if you stay in the castle, castle district. That sounds great. Our kids, I know we would like District 5. Mm -hmm. Things need yeah. to be around us as family. But yeah. I could see my parents or Tom's parents, like the castle district. And it's good to know that uh, from the District 5, the famous District 7 party places are just 10 minutes walk, walking yeah. distance. So the, the kids can just walk there. Best of all worlds. Now, Dad, I know you had a question. Actually, uh, just maybe some logistics. How do you normally suggest people route to get to Budapest? Because I don't think there's that many direct connections from the United States to Budapest. Is it usually like through Frankfurt? 
Yes, exactly. We were quite happy in 2019. We did have more and more direct flights. I know that from San Francisco, from New York, and more from the East Coast, but we already had three direct connections to Budapest three times per week. And that means that we started to become more and more popular destination for the U.S. travelers. And prior to that, a typical yeah, connection was to Frankfurt or, or Amsterdam, Munich, even Paris. Yeah, Paris oh. is a big, big airport. It's, it's a tricky one. Uh, but, and uh, uh, I even had uh, guests uh, who were traveling first to London and uh, from London to Budapest because Budapest is very well connected uh, uh, with the other European capitals. So we have absolutely daily flights, uh, KLM, Lufthansa, and uh, they are the, maybe the two most common, so Amsterdam and, uh, and Frankfurt. Okay, then uh, related to that, so typically you arrive either early in the morning or maybe a little bit later in the morning. Hotels allow you to check in early because I know when I land, I'm pretty tired <laughs> and uh, waiting till four o'clock to check in is painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that. And uh, I regularly have guests who arrive early in the morning and they can check in, they can have their early check-in. And it really depends on the hotel. If they are fully booked, then they cannot prepare your room. Uh, so maybe it happened once during the seven, eight years because they were totally fully booked. Uh, but uh, the Budapest accommodations are not yet that strict because we are fresh meat on the market. Uh, so we are very happy to have our precious U.S. guests. So we, we really love to serve you and we are happy about the Americans. Okay. And then one of the questions, so we've landed, we've gotten our luggage checked in. People may be operating at different speeds as they're getting over the jet lag. What would you recommend for that first a couple hours after people get their sea legs, what would you recommend a family of three generations do to experience Budapest? Yeah, uh, so usually when multi-generational family contacts me, and, and I'm very happy when they give me this information that look, Anna, we are 12 of us, and there is the grandpa and the grand grandchildren. And usually I'm even, I try to ask my clients uh, to tell a little bit about themselves, to be able to recommend different programs for them. I usually recommend uh, three to four different programs. So you can choose what is uh, what would be a very comfy and interesting program Thursday. There's the amazing uh, Budapest has 140 hot springs beneath the city. And we do have a beautiful, elegant, historical bathing houses all around the downtown. They offer massages, uh, different spa relaxed uh, uh, programs. And, uh, and that's a perfect uh, first day program. Usually these baths have the staff uh, speaking the English language, but never knows you are still new in the city. So maybe you would not uh, start with the getting into the spa, but I always offer this, that this can be a super relaxation to visit one of our uh, hot baths and it can be fun for the children and can be fun for the grandparents and you can check it on the Budapest Spa's uh, website 
there is a beautiful like general introduction of those historical thermal baths uh, itself just to sit in the middle of the bath uh, and and having a coffee and a tea and enjoying the art nouveau mosaics that can be already a, a beautiful program if you don't want to get into the water and um, the other uh, program that i usually offer if you are not seasick and the Danube doesn't have that big waves, it's a really beautiful, relaxing visual experience to get on a one-hour cruise on the river. As I told you, the Danube River in Budapest is just dividing Buda and Pest, and all the main sites are visible from the river. And that's a, that's a super fun program with a cruise on the river. And I usually recommend it to do it by the night lights. It can be a beautiful program even after your dinner time, uh, if you can still <laughs> stay up. But it can be also a beautiful program during the daytime. Uh, but I usually recommend it for the first uh, evening uh, because the night lights of Budapest are, again, it's a huge highlight of the city. And uh, when the family is uh, maybe not that tired, when you arrive maybe from Vienna or Prague, uh, it will be usually by a train or maybe by private transportation. And uh, then I already offer the first highlight or orientation tour of mine, because most of the time when it's not, a, when it's a travel without the jet lag, so you are already in Europe and you arrived and you are through the jet lag, and then it's a very good first impression when someone takes you around and, uh, and makes you a bit more self-confident about the place. I show you the highlights. I explain you how to move in the city, what to do, where to make your ex exchange, how to speak, why to do this and that, uh, where to eat out. Uh, so already I'm giving you a, a load of information uh, that gives you a, a good start and maybe saves you plenty of time because uh, you are in the city maybe just two, three days. So it's better if you organize it well and, uh, and it's easier if you know how not to waste your time. Okay. I know my daughter Kaylee wanted to ask a question. Yeah. So once we've had that good first night's sleep, what are some of the breakfast options around the place that you would have us Yes, breakfast. The breakfast is the thing uh, that I, I love to shock my guests with the Hungarian breakfast. Hungarians, uh, first of all, don't eat out for the breakfast. So since uh, we have the international tourism in Hungary, we do have breakfast places, but it's not for the Hungarians because Hungarians don't have that tradition like the Italians that they are running for the job and they have their ristretto and little sweetie things, bakery things. Uh, Hungarians eat meat for the breakfast, a sandwich or something, cheese, meat, uh, heavy things, uh, greasy. It can be even languish, it's a deep fried bread. Uh, so it's, uh, it's just an energy bomb. It comes from uh, our peasant culture because our ancestors yeah, worked out on the fields and they had that big slice of the bacon and they could work until the afternoon. And so somehow it stayed among us and the Hungarian considers this type of the meal for breakfast and we like to buy it at the markets. So if you would like to have a similar experience everywhere in the downtown, there are 
um, indoor green markets. And uh, that is always a recommendation of mine, even if you don't want to eat out there, it's just really, let's say like cool to, to visit those markets. They are open usually from six, seven, latest eight o'clock in the morning and the great market or grand market, central market in Hungarian Vasárcsarnok. So that's why we don't know how to say it in English because we call it Vasárcsarnok. <laughs> that is the closest to the downtown. It's a 10 minutes walk from anywhere. So that is the place where you go if you would like to find those Hungarian breakfast. If you would like to have your um, let's say breakfast with the pancake and bakery products and espresso then everywhere in the fifth district seventh district uh, there are very nice even artisan and and those craft bakeries uh, where you can have uh, the breakfast and they are open uh, for the tourists uh, so it's organized well because uh, uh, all those like apartments uh, where you can stay where you can find your accommodation they usually don't uh, offer the breakfast, but you go out, walk three minutes, and there will be a little bakery cafe that is offering breakfast with the bakery products, excellent espressos, and uh, most probably some kind of an egg, like, like omelette or maybe pancake. So that type of the breakfast you can always find in the downtown. Yeah, a Hungarian breakfast sounds awesome, but I, I would want my cup of coffee, so. <laughs> yes, usually, like, very rarely I have those requests that, okay, Anna, let's go for a breakfast tour, and let's start the tour with the breakfast at the market, because we want Hungarian breakfast, and then after, let's learn about the history, and usually I buy all, all those meat products, and then it ends up in my bag, because nobody wants to eat it and I'm smelling on delicious sausages and smoked meat in the synagogue and in the various museums <laughs> carrying my breakfast. Okay, so we've we've had our first day there. We've maybe dipped our toes in the water to see some of the sites. We may have explored a little bit of Budapest and perhaps taken a, a boat cruise uh, depending on the conditions. We've had a good breakfast and so now we're well fed and we're ready for a full day of sightseeing. So what would you have us see in Budapest on our first full day? Yeah, um, it's good to know about Budapest, uh, that it, it is, let's say, the base of Budapest is a medieval town. What does it mean? It means that it's not the best for the car traffic. Yeah, I always uh, remind my guests that uh, we can always uh, use cars for the sightseeing, for getting around but it doesn't really make sense uh, because uh, the traffic is so bad uh, that most probably we will sit let's say 70 percent of the time in the traffic jam and then we will just run around the sites or, or so it, it doesn't really make sense but i do understand that in some cases it's better to use car i always explain every situation so what i offer and uh, what I recommend is, uh, is touring around Budapest by public transportation, because Budapest has an excellent public transportation, trams, metro lines, buses, uh, and clean and safe with a very strict uh, control system. Uh, so it's a totally normal uh, for us, for the city inhabitants, that uh, we don't use our cars when we go to the downtown it doesn't make any sense. And uh, 
and usually again as for the first time it's a bit scared oh public transportation we don't want to use that but i think that it's even a it can be a nice experience and we even have those historical trams a few of them that are running by the river and so it's it can be an experience to hop on those uh, uh, funky little old trams uh, so that's about the transportation so walking and by public transportation and in my opinion, any European city has such a huge, heavy history and content that I usually do not uh, recommend uh, like touring and focusing on, on those, like every detail, more than three, four hours. And then when I'm guiding the first day tour, I usually recommend a first day tour, uh, maximum four hours uh, with me, because that's enough for your mind to listen all about those uh, amazing buildings and, and facts and even if they are fun facts uh, if you listen to the tent fun fact too much fun <laughs> and also about the heavy history or those like dramatic history i'm always dividing the city into two parts because it's already naturally divided into pest and buddha so first day i usually recommend to walk around pest Let's learn about the Pest side. And uh, there is that amazing District 7 that I already recommended that it's not the best to sleep over there, but it's really a must to visit it during the daylight because it's one of our very interesting historical districts uh, that used to be at the Jewish cultural district before the Second World War. And it was transformed to a funky hipster district since the 1990s. So it has that very controversy, interesting image, but there are still the beautiful historical synagogues and, uh, and you can learn a lot about the Second World War history of uh, Hungary and Central Europe during that walk around the Jewish district. And meanwhile, you can stop in the ruin bars. The most famous is the Simpla ruin bar, and that is uh, actually ranked by the Lonely Planet as the most interesting and most attractive bar in Europe. And that, that is usually quite a, a, let's say, like fun stop for the kids. <laughs> I think that usually the whole family likes uh, that very awkward, very artsy place. It's now a community house, a cultural community house uh, that functions uh, also as a, as a market, as a street food court. And there is street food. If after your breakfast, you would like to have your first Hungarian burger or pizza slice, you can already have it in the Simpla. Uh, so discovering uh, maybe the Jewish district, yeah, that is the District 7, then I'm uh, always uh, doing a walk around that fifth district that I already mentioned, because yeah, maybe you will stay there, but it's also good to learn about it. It's full of beautiful architecture. There is the parliament building. Uh, then I take you to the, to the Hero Square. The Hero Square is the National Memorial Square, where again, it's a little bit like a, like you can 
get uh, the visual effect of the Hungarian history. It's easier to understand it. And that area is the area of the famous Széchenyi thermal baths. So we can uh, learn about the baths uh, and you can get more familiar about the bathing culture of Hungary. These are those highlights that I, I usually recommend for the first tour. And if, if the family is like very interested into the uh, architecture and the more deeper cultural experiences, then I recommend a few interesting institutions to visit. For example, the Parliament of Hungary is a jewelry box. It's a very special uh, fairy tale building and it's possible to visit it from inside. Uh, but not with me, because they do have very strict safety regulations. That is still the seat of the National Assembly of uh, Hungary. Uh, so uh, civils can get in only with the tour. And uh, they do have their own historians who are guiding the, the groups uh, who get into the parliament. And it's a very popular thing to do because it's a masterpiece of the of the Hungarian contemporary arts. Everything is handmade, hand-carved inside there. Uh, so it's worth to visit. So that is one of the things that I recommend as a free time program after the tours, or maybe to visit in the afternoon another museum, again, connected to our uh, 20th century history, uh, to, to the Soviet era. And it has a a horrible name, the House of Terror. And that is amazingly interesting exhibition. It's an audio, video, visual exhibition about the happenings during the Soviet era in Hungary. It's amazingly popular among the youngsters. And usually, and the, when, when someone books a tour with me and I can already see the dates, I already recommend that then to go to the House of Terror because usually queues are standing there and the kids love it. Uh, European uh, kids are coming uh, to visit the, the House of Terror. It's very easy to understand through those videos and visual effects and sound effects uh, how the Soviet regime was, was uh, let's say, pressing or like making that pressure on the people, on the society. So it's a little bit uh, a psycho museum, but with a, with a very interesting, let's say, like outcome. And, and uh, if you would, let's say, like easier programs uh, uh, in the city, that is uh, related to arts and uh, then there is the there are the galleries the gallery of contemporary arts and and the national museum that can be uh, all about the arts uh, so Pest has this uh, really uh, let's say like deep heavy cultural like uh, historical and uh, and cultural values but on the other side uh, uh, that that visual experiences uh, they lighten up a bit uh, that that heavy history. Dad, I think you had some questions yeah after that full day of exploring Budapest I imagine I and uh, most of the people I travel with look forward to a wonderful meal and my preference would be to try some cuisine that's not French, that's not Italian, not German, not Polish, but something Hungarian. <laughs> uh, okay. That's, I assume that's easy to find or not. I hope so. It's easy to find. Actually, if you ask me, because uh, I'm still a great fan of the <laughs> Hungarian cuisine, 
And uh, even if it's not that healthy, I'm even giving uh, cooking classes. So uh, I can teach you how to make excellent gulag. The dinner places are available everywhere in the downtown. I think that uh, the European chefs, uh, they started even to title Budapest as the new culinary destination. It's an amazing bump in the downtown the recent years and more and more even Michelin star uh, restaurants but we even have uh, such a restaurant that is already Michelin star but focused on the Hungarian meals so this Hungarian chef who earned uh, that uh, Michelin star he has this fixed idea that he will bring up the Hungarian uh, culinary on that fine dining level uh, so I can even recommend you that one but uh, I love to recommend uh, the traditional restaurants then and uh, there are two restaurants um, uh, that are open already for more than 100 years. So I'm, I'm deeply hoping that uh, these pandemic times will not close them forever <laughs> because that would be hurtful. Unfortunately, they are not yet open. I just checked it uh, during this weekend because the, they are focused recently on the international tourism in the downtown. Uh, so it's not yet worth for them to open their gates. That is the is the name how it is the hundred years old restaurant that's the name hundred years old restaurant and actually it's a hundred and eighty two years old restaurant uh, but it was uh, open when the building had hundred years or something like this so it's a very very old restaurant and uh, they absolutely keep the the that uh, style the Hungarian style so if you get in there you will never find an Italian or French is in there. And uh, the other very, very historical restaurant is the Matthias Cellar. So the Matthias Cellar is the, let's say, the cellar of King Matthias. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful neo-Gothic historical restaurant where every evening, even the, uh, the classical Hungarian gypsy band is having the music and making you some performance. So that is that very a classy Hungarian traditional restaurant with the excellent meals. And uh, if you wish for the, let's say, like bigger challenges uh, with, with Anasites, then I will always recommend you uh, those uh, local Hungarian restaurants that are a little bit out of the downtown. As you remember, I told you that Budapest is very safe, uh, so it's uh, always uh, easy to get anywhere but the very traditional Hungarian restaurants where we eat and the locals will be a little bit out of the downtown. That means maybe 15 minutes by taxi. But a question for you as a follow-up and what, what would be your most special recommendation for a Hungarian? Yeah, you can eat some goulash, but not the stew, please. That right. is a mistake. That is what we are shocked about is why the rest of the world thinks that the goulash is a stew. Because the goulash is a delicious beef soup, a hearty beef soup with a lot of vegetables and beef meat as well. And so it has a quite a different style than the rest of the world goulash. So definitely once you should try the goulash soup, not the stew. And then you will see the difference. And the goulash is actually a, a famous meal thanks to the communism and Soviet era because that was the simplest meal of the peasant. Goulash means cowman, cowboy, yeah, the cattleman. 
who was taking care of the cow and the Soviet era, the communism was all about the labor class, the peasant in Hungary. So they made it uh, the goulash as an official meal, a must to offer in every restaurant. So this is why all the yeah, word <laughs> speaks about the goulash as a Hungarian meal, but it's just a simple regional soup. So now you learned about the goulash. I will not recommend you that meal, <laughs> uh, but uh, when you are in Hungary, and uh, then you should uh, you should try uh, the different, for example, zander meals. I don't know if you heard about the zander fish type of a pike. And mm -hmm. uh, so Hungary has the um, largest freshwater lake, of, and uh, we have amazing quality zander fish uh, in the Balatonia. It's a wild fish with those big teeth, and uh, so I would recommend you. It's such a fish restaurant. Uh, even in the downtown, there are still two existing Hungarian small traditional restaurants. So if you like the fish, then I send you there that eat some zander or maybe eat some Hungarian catfish soup. The Hungarian catfish soup is uh, sure with the paprika. So it's a, a red soup and uh, that's a very traditional meal. And so such even trout is a very Hungarian meal. We eat a lot of trout because in the northern west of Hungary, uh, we have a lot of trout uh, lakes. So not only the chicken paprikash, <laughs> chicken paprikash, uh, you will barely find in the restaurants because that's the grandmother's meal. It was a typical harvest meal for the peasant. And again, it's the Soviet era that made it very famous. So try some zander and fish soup. Hungary. Okay. And knowing that we have to respond to three generations, we always like the, the old safety net for the kids. And as you pointed in your show notes, you've said that the pizza meat is very good and everywhere, and that there's a hipster burger place called Zing. We'll include notes to those in our show notes. But one question I was going to ask about for maybe something closer to uh, what, what a younger audience might like, and that is the traditional favorite called Langos. Can you maybe speak mm -hmm. to that as a a deep fried bread top with yes. sour cream and cheese? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the langoshi is usually popular even among the young people. When we go to that simple community house where there is the street food curd, uh, there is also a langosh stand. So I, I'm always uh, offering you some langosh to try and a big surprise for the kids as well that it's delicious. Uh, so the langosh is the Hungarian pizza let's say uh, but we uh, so it's a shape of a pizza we deep fry it it should be very thin so it's a little bit crunchy in the middle and the very traditional topping is a lot of garlic sour cream and cheese on the top so that's the the hungarian style langos but you can put anything on the top uh, you can put sausages or, or when you go out with the children it's good to know that children and teenagers are the absolutely same like the rest of the world. They love pizza and chicken. Okay. So, uh, so most of the restaurants uh, everywhere in the city, they offer uh, children's menus. So it's, it's a special, it's usually after the dessert, yeah, the children's menu, and that will be usually some chicken nuggets uh, or, or the, that type of the of meal that is eatable for the children. <laughs> That's good to know. 
because it's always challenging to find children. Yes. One other question. Can you explain the connection between Budapest and Count Dracula? I think there were one or two links to Dracula-related sites. Could you sh- mm-hmm. share that with our audience? Okay. Uh, so Dracula was, I wouldn't say a popular guest, but quite a, quite a regular guest in the Buda Castle district during his lifetime. Count Dracula was a, a count, yeah, a nobleman uh, living in Transylvania. Uh, that part of Romania at that time belonged to the Hungarian kingdom. And the Count Dracula loved to visit the Buda Castle district. Uh, we speak about the 1500s, for, sorry, 15th century and 1400s, and to visit those uh, tremendous Gothic parties, because those Gothic parties are not just a new made up thing. Those were really happening <laughs> in the Middle Ages, and they were very dark parties in the in those tunnels uh, of the Buda Castle district. It's situated on a hill, and uh, there are plenty natural caves in the hill that were used by the inhabitants of the Buda Castle district. Uh, so it was a famous legend that Count Dracula came from time to the Buda Castle district. And he was organizing uh, mysterious parties. And when I tell the dark parties, that means that uh, many times plenty of people didn't come out alive of those parties because Count Dracula loved the blood. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't yeah. say it's cute. It's cute to me, but maybe not for the children when they get down to those caves. And it's a very dark cave system. Uh, with the different exhibitions about Dracula's life there in the Buda Castle district. It's a short half an hour fun fact to do in the Buda Castle district to get down to those really dark caves where the Gothic parties were going on in the Buda Castle district. And there is another legend that only King Matthias, who was that time the, the king of Hungary, was enough brave to, to put King Count Dracula into the prison that is the chamber of Dracula, because probably in the same cave system, Dracula got imprisoned for three months. He was a nobleman. His father had a very high ranking, so that's why he was protected. Uh, actually, he, he was a simple psychopath. He was a serial killer. Uh, so it's, yeah, the centuries made him, well, such a celebrity but uh, he was just simply a problematic person. And King Matthias, the Hungarian king, imprisoned him because of his acts, because uh, too many people died during those uh, parties. And that's the legend that he was imprisoned there in in those caves. We have another question for you. What are some of the bigger excursions one would take in Hungary or Budapest if we had a full day of an excursion to, to plan? Thank you for this question, because... That's the apple of my heart. I'm not offering uh, tours only in Budapest, actually. And that is only 50% of my activity only. I'm offering uh, customized tours uh, to the countryside of uh, Hungary because I think that Hungary is a very beautiful and uh, undiscovered country by the international travelers. So after discovering Pest, then secondly, usually we discover the Buddha side of the city, that is uh, the Buddha castle district. And then uh, someone decides to stay a bit more because Budapest itself, the city is, let's say, a three-day destination. If you want to keep it tight, I say always four or five days if you want to enjoy it a bit more. And not by us, by the Hungarians. 
we live our life all around Hungary because Hungary is a very small country. In miles, the south-north distance is only 200 miles and the west-east is only 300 miles. So it's a tiny little country compared to a U.S. state. It's, it's just like Iowa. And, and it's very easy to move around Hungary. So even if you stay in Budapest, in one, two hours, you can get anywhere in Hungary. And you can visit, for example, it was the top destination in 2019, but I, let's say, like sold them more. Uh, that was the Lake Balaton, the Lake Balaton Tours. And it's a grand surprise uh, because everybody knows about the Danube and Budapest and Ulash. And then they drive one and a half hour and they get to a Hungarian province. We call it the Hungarian province. It's a mineral lake that is the largest freshwater lake of Europe. And it has a special turquoise color because of the magnesium and calcium and then because of the vibration of the sun and the rays. Uh, are creating that special color. So itself, again, the visual effect is uh, beautiful. And the northern shore of the lake is a national park, but not only because of the natural values, but because of the cultural values. Uh, the people there uh, living on a, on a very traditional ways. So we can find plenty of the vineyards that is now so trendy the bio vineyards had <laughs> those but that is normal for them so they are having just those tiny uh, vineyards uh, goat farms uh, any type of the farm so it's a, it's a very romantic drive through and a little bit learn about the about the real hungary out of the downtown out of the city and uh, we visit usually two, three small historical villages uh, that were very um, popular among the aristocrats and artists in the 19th century. It's just, uh, again, opportunity to visit some galleries or just to walk along the lake. And also another village that is a UNESCO village uh, because it's uh, built three, 400 years ago, the early 1700s. Uh, from volcanic stones by the Lake Balaton 50 million years ago, there was a volcano <laughs> and that's why we have that good vines there. So volcanic uh, stone is there. Uh, so we are visiting the Tihany, that is, uh, that is that UNESCO village and it's on the top of the hill. So you have the full panorama on the Lake Balaton. Uh, that cutie village is full of those souvenir shops and uh, and full of the lavender products. It's uh, not coincident time from, um, like uh, comparing it to Provence uh, because uh, the Lake Balaton northern shore is, is full with the lavender fields. And the microclimate is very good for the lavender and not in that big uh, amounts like France has it, but still in small amounts. So it can be just a... Uh, um, a really surprising experience and it's always a very pleasant uh, usually summer day because the lake Balaton is open from from may to let's say end of september it's a seasonal place so from november to april we, we don't go to the lake Balaton. the other uh, popular place with the families is the Danube Bend tour, let's say the farthest uh, spot that we reach in the Danube Bend, that's one hour drive from Budapest. And uh, it's a, again a bit historical. So 
we can combine it like maybe the elderly generation likes the history but again we are visiting Visegrad uh, that is uh, on the top of the hill it's, it's a fortress from the 13th century and uh, that's a very old fortress uh, so it's just uh, cool to get around and, uh, and there is an exhibition of arms and weapons from the 13th century so the boys usually like that too there is another exhibition about the princesses and like how the the princess lived on the top of that hill they definitely didn't wear high heels because of all from stones and the article is offering uh, different uh, interesting funky products for uh, kids and the elderly generation as well thank you it sounds like uh, two great excursions proximate to, to budapest so you mentioned shopping in the context of like Balaton, but when we go to Budapest and its environs, what should we be shopping for? We are in the middle of Europe, in the middle of Central Europe. Everybody crossed through us. Uh, so it's very difficult to tell you something really original, authentic, something that is just typical for Hungary because we are a big mixture uh, of the European culture. The only thing that makes us Hungarian, that's our language, that weird language that no one can yeah, pronounce it and no one can tell. Uh, so if we come to the shopping, buy whatever you like to buy. In Tihon, I offer them the, the lavender products because they are absolutely handcrafted and they are made there. I do know that lavender you can buy anywhere else in the world, uh, but that will come from uh, Tihan. Also by the Lake Balaton, amazing um, pottery, uh, very, very interesting designish, new style pottery can be found. A lot of artists uh, who, who run pottery workshops, they um, just settle down by the Lake Balaton because the clay is uh, very good over there. Hungary does have also three um, porcelain factories or because uh, they are still manufacturing porcelain and uh, so if someone likes the porcelain is the um, absolute uh, must to have uh, is actually that famous that they even open one shop in new york <laughs> so they are a very small manufactory uh, but they do have a, a shop in in new york and and that i know that kate and william uh, are eating from there porcelain uh, yes, sets uh, because they love the heron style. Uh, so that's about the pottery. Sure, paprika. Paprika is uh, the must to have <laughs> when, when you come to Hungary. And what you have to know about paprika, uh, that uh, Hungarians um, used it uh, because of the Turkish invasion. Hungarians got the red pepper, yeah, the spice pepper, uh, from the Turkish invaders 600 years ago and uh, they didn't have what to eat so it was just very convenient to put some spice in their potato meal that they ate every day uh, so we do not have a huge chili culture or paprika culture we do have an excellent quality sweet uh, red pepper spice uh, very high with the very high pigments so it's that Hungarian red paprika and it's always sweet, so it's not chilly. I even had my guests who, who went crazy at the market from the pickles because Hungarians are pickling everything. So it's it's an art uh, to pickle any vegetable. 
and there are ladies who are really specialized in that and they are selling it at the markets. And so even those like funky pickles for versier ones and, um, and, and anything that you see as a beautiful souvenir, you can take it from Hungary. We are very creative. We have a lot of, lot of uh, design and artist places, uh, especially in Tenrend, especially in the District 7. It's full with the young designer shops. It's just uh, a nice experience. That sounds great. Now, as a family, and I would say probably my husband and I like to do this the most, is how would you best interact with a local so we get to have get some like local vibes of where to go, where to eat, type of things that are around? So if you get out uh, of the very strict downtown, that means that uh, maybe you visit the green market of the District 13. That is still a, a very nice residential area. Anna lives there, it's me, <laughs> and uh, it's the first residential area from the downtown uh, that doesn't have any more any touristy attractions, so it stayed very residential, but uh, still it's uh, enough close to the downtown to keep that like very safe and, and high level standard, uh, so at the end it's called Lehel Market, it doesn't have a website, and uh, if you go to that green market, uh, it's full with the locals and the local ladies who are selling in the middle of the market uh, their products, the apples and the carrots, uh, that usually uh, it's not an import, but it really comes from their garden. Uh, they love to chit chat and uh, even with the body talk, you can <laughs> chit chat with them. They will be very happy and proud that they could have a chat with, with an American lady. And so that's one of the things in the downtown to go to any market that is a little bit out of the district five and seven. And this district 13 is a perfect place. Uh, as well, the small town that I mentioned there during the Danube Band tour, Santendre. Santendre means Saint Andrew. Just it's in Hungarian. So Santendre is the first small town from Budapest. Uh, that's an art colony. It's a tiny little uh, old from the 1700s, and uh, it's full with the Hungarian artist galleries. Um, I never met anyone there who who speaks uh, good English, <laughs> but uh, but they are very very friendly. And they are those typical artists who like to chit chat and to little bit discuss about their works. Uh, so in Santendre, it's absolutely a good vibe. And um, Dad, I think you had some questions. Uh, really, the one question I have is what would uh, you recommend somebody learn how to say or do so that they might be more appreciated by the Hungarians? You know. Sometimes Americans have a bad reputation. So what can we do that that would help us look better? And what could we what should we avoid doing? Good news for you. Hungarians uh, like the Americans. We don't have any special opinion about the Americans, but as I understand, uh, we like you more than not. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't have those heavy prejudices. What is, uh, what is really cute when you learn two words in Hungary, when you learn the hello, that is very easy. It's see It's like the see you. Just with, there's the hello. And if you learn the thank you, that's kusanum. 
it's a bit difficult, but the abbreviation Kösi. So Sia Kösi, if you tell already this when you arrive somewhere and when you pay somewhere and you tell Kösi, then they will be super happy that look, they respect our language. Because you remember I told you that the only thing that makes us Hungarian is our language. We are very, very proud of our difficult language. And this is what connects us. Thing not to do that uh, we don't take it as an insult, but uh, yeah, we uh, Hungary doesn't have a, a bargaining uh, culture. I think we never really had because uh, we were long time together with uh, Austria, so that is that Habsburg uh, uh, culture, and then after we were in the Soviet Union, that is communism, that's uh, again a different regime, and then the older times we don't remember <laughs> culturally, and so Hungary is uh, not really a bargaining place, and uh, many times for some reason, the travelers who are here for the first time, maybe they have this feeling that we are Eastern Europe, or not that European culture, and they start bargaining, and then the shopkeepers, uh, they absolutely take it as an insult, and they just send you away with some nice blessings. <laughs> so I think that Hungarians in general are quite happy to receive international travelers. It's about maybe what not to do. Uh, one thing that is still a, a huge problem for us in the travel industry how to protect you from the taxi drivers are still scamming. That's a problem. So that's a very important rule that you always call a taxi from your hotel or from the restaurant, or you ask your tour guide or, or anyone to call for you or use an application. We have a bot uh, that is the, instead of the Uber, we don't have Uber, but the bot is the online cab service. So I already had that uh, experience that I speak to my guests in English and he wants to rip me off. And <laughs> so unfortunately with the taxi drivers, that's a problem. Thank you, Anna. This has been a tremendous interview. Certainly want to give you an opportunity to be able to speak to anything you want to tell our audience. Final thoughts you wanted to share with our audience? First of all, I would thank you uh, for the opportunity that I could share my experiences with you. I just wish you uh, the soonest uh, uh, travels and uh, I would like to see you here in Budapest. Thank you. And I will be really happy to, to organize for you any tours, any customized tours. So you can visit my website, anasites.com. I also have a Facebook. Uh, you can contact me there as well. And don't get confused when you don't see the exact tour offers on my website because that's the point of my services that I'm just giving you some ideas what we can do here in Budapest. But please be brave, don't be shy and just uh, send me an email with all your thoughts. And I'm really happy to exchange emails uh, in order to get that final uh, product. I think I never had the same tour anytime. Uh, so I hope to see you soon in Budapest. Thank you. And again, our guest, Anna Juhas of anasites.com.